I want to talk on this thought, blessed. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read verse 3 through 6. And some of you may be thinking, isn't it Mother's Day? And he's in the book book of Ephesians. And this isn't a Mother's Day message. Again, mothers, we honor you, we celebrate you. But I mean no disrespect in what I'm about to say. We're in God's house. And this is about God. This is about Jesus. We love you. We appreciate you. And we're thankful for you. But Jesus is the main reason we're here. Amen. And so, I preach Christmas and I preach Easter. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Independence Day, all that other stuff. I, I, just, I just preach whatever series we're in and, and we just roll with it. And so today, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. This is week 3 of our series in the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend some time in this book. But today we're talking about what it means to be blessed. And so let's look at this text. Verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Just by way of introduction today, I want to tell you that verses 3-14 through of this chapter are one long continuing sentence in the Greek language. In the original language, it is a sentence of 202 words. And in these verses, Paul began to praise God for His grace and salvation. And he just keeps ascending the heights of the riches and glories of God's grace. These verses take us into eternity past and reveal how God formed His church before the world began. They teach us about God's eternal purpose, eternal purpose in salvation. These verses remind us of one essential, enormously important, important truth. They remind us that we are not an afterthought. These verses teach us that we have been on God's heart for a long time before the foundation of the world. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week as we get into verse 4. That before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ. That if you're saved, God had you on His mind before the foundation of the world. Think about that. That if you're in Christ, that if you're a born again child of God, that before God spoke this world into existence, He was already thinking of you. That blows my mind. That before God said, let there be light, I was already on His mind. That God had already determined and chosen me. That's amazing. I'm not an afterthought. These verses teach us that we are important to God. Amen. But today I want to focus on verse 3 and remind you that in Christ we are blessed. Verse 3 tells us about the blessings we enjoy as children of God. And as we get into verse 4 and following next week, he, he begins to explain and expound some of the blessings that we've been chosen and we've been adopted and we've been accepted in the Beloved, that we've been redeemed and we haven't obtained an inheritance. And he goes on and explains those blessings. But 
Verse 3 reminds us that we are far wealthier in Jesus Christ than we can ever grasp. And I want to remind you today that we are blessed. In fact, I want to tell you that in Christ you are wealthy, that you are rich because of Jesus. John MacArthur tells a story about the man who left a will saying this, Being of sound mind and body, I spent it all. (laughs) But he goes on to say that Jesus didn't spend it all. In fact, He paid it all and left it all to us. Aren't you glad for that? That Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. And He left it all to us. Thank God Jesus made us wealthy people. You see, Jesus has given us an incredible treasury of spiritual riches that is ours to draw from as we pass through this world. And so this verse introduces us to that wealth and shows us why our sovereign God is worthy to be praised. So I want to give you six things today. Notice with me first of all, the source of these blessings. The source of these blessings. Paul says the source of our blessings is identified as God. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. The word blessed translates a word that means to speak good of. We get our word eulogy from that word. If you've ever gone to a funeral, funeral, you've heard a eulogy and it means to speak good of someone else. It means to speak good about that person. And so Paul is saying here in essence that God is good. And I want to remind you today that we serve a good God. That He is good all the time and all the time He is good. He's not just good when things are going your way, but He's good even when things are are going against you. On your worst day, on your bad day, even when things are falling apart in your life, God is still good. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Hear me today. Our bad days and our difficult circumstances do not change the character of God. God will always be good. Even in your pain, in your trouble, in your sorrow, God is still good. Even when God doesn't answer, even when God doesn't heal your body, even when God doesn't fix it, God is still good. But I'm afraid sometimes we have this idea that God is no longer good when God doesn't intervene. And if God doesn't meet the need or if God doesn't answer the prayer or if God doesn't get rid of the cancer, that somehow God is no longer good. But hear me, if God never does anything else but save your soul, God is good all the time. And that's what Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He's saying God is good. You see, just because God doesn't make your life easier or take your problems away doesn't make Him any less good. You see, some people have this idea that if I follow Jesus, all my problems vanish. That if I follow Jesus, He makes me wealthy in this world. That if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Jesus never promised that. I know the people on TV promised that, but Jesus never promised that. John 16, 33, In this world you shall have tribulation. Paul said, All those who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I lost some of you. That's okay. But can I tell you, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. God is good. 
Paul says we ought to bless him. But not only should we bless him, Paul is telling us he's the blesser. Notice what Paul says, who has blessed us. You see, all the blessings we enjoy in this life come to us from the hand of God. And hear me today, whether you are saved or unsaved, God's been good to you. If you've walked in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the fact that He gave you breath to get out of bed today, you are one blessed man or woman. You've been blessed. Everything we have comes from God. Listen, we got this idea floating around today. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Listen, God created you. There's no self-made anything. It all comes from God. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is good and He demonstrates that goodness to His children by being good to them. You see, we have a rich Father. This book tells me God owns it all. He owns it all. And He blesses His people. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ by faith, you belong into the family of God and God takes care of His people. In fact, the Bible says we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But let's notice the second thing. Let's talk about the subject of these blessings. Paul says that God has blessed us. The us that Paul was referring to are the saints and the faithful that is mentioned in verse 1. In other words, the recipients of God's blessings are those that have been saved by God's grace. Now hear me. Non-Christians are blessed by God's goodness and common grace. Here's the thing. Everybody experiences the common grace of God. Lost people experience the common grace of God. They know what it's like to experience long life and good health and prosperity and have families and even have safety in travel. But they don't know what it's like to be spiritually blessed. They can't experience the depth and riches that Paul is talking about here in these verses. But also notice something here. Paul uses the past tense. He has blessed us. Indicating that this prospering of believers had already occurred even in eternity past. Think about that. This means that we weren't an afterthought when it comes to God. In eternity past, God was already thinking of us and had already decided to bless you. He had, has blessed us. You see, because He decided to save us, He already decided to bless you. Let me ask you this morning, do you understand that God's thinking of you? That if you're His child, He's thinking about you. You're on His mind. And because He thinks of you, don't you understand that He'll always do what's best for you? We somehow forget that. But God always does what's best for His people. You see, because we're His and because He loves us, He pours out His blessings in our lives. Only the people of God can experience these spiritual blessings that Paul talks about. In fact, I'll say that God blesses us in ways far greater than we can imagine. He blesses us in ways that we don't deserve. We're absolutely unworthy. But yet God blesses us. 
Because we're in Christ. Let's notice a third thing. Let's talk about the sufficiency of these blessings. Paul tells us we've been blessed, notice this word, with all spiritual blessings. The word all means total, whole, of every kind. In other words, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We've been given everything God has to offer. Listen to this quote by Adrian Rogers. I believe it will be on the screen. It says, God is infinite love and nothing that love can give has God withheld from you if you're saved. And nothing that you will ever need has been over. Wow. God's infinite love and nothing that love can give will be withheld from you. Everything we need, He has provided. Aren't you glad for that? You see, when we came to faith in Jesus, God opened up the treasure house of heaven and He authorized us to receive unlimited spiritual resources. You see, we as the redeemed of God have all the spiritual wealth of heaven at our disposal. Also, God's blessings in our lives know no boundaries and have no limits. You see, God keeps on blessing and blessing and there is no end to His blessings in our lives. Yeah, listen, the resources of God do not run out. His love doesn't run out. His peace doesn't run out. His joy doesn't run out. It keeps on giving and giving and giving. His peace keeps on flowing and flowing and flowing. You see, the people of this world who do not know Him, they'll live in fear and they'll live in worry and they'll live in anxiety. But the blessing of God and the peace of God keeps on coming to the people of God because we know Him. That's why we can live in peace and that's why we can have joy while people around us are fretting and worrying and they're anxious. Because God's blessed us. God will keep giving us joy and peace and mercy and glory and grace and hope. See, God will supply all of our needs that we need physically, even spiritually. God just blesses. He'll supply your needs for salvation, sanctification, service, and glorification. All that you'll ever need is in Jesus. Listen to this verse, Romans 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave us His Son, which is the greatest gift. Isn't He going to give us everything else that we need? Isn't that what He just said? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Listen to this quote by Adrian Rogers. If He gave us one great gift that cost so much, will He not bestow the lesser gift? It's cost Him nothing but the delights of giving. His Son cost Him everything. Don't you think He'll give you something lesser if you need it? All you have to do is simply ask. If he didn't withhold his son from his sister Mary, why do you think he would withhold his love? Why do you think do you think he'd hold back his peace if he didn't withhold his son? No. 
He'll give us everything we need. And yet so many times we walk around like we're paupers and beggars looking for handouts. And yet God's already given us the greatest thing He could ever give us. He gave us His Son. We've been blessed abundantly. That Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And yet so many times we act like we don't have that life. But Paul's reminding us that we have that life. We've been, we've been blessed. Let's move on number four. Let's talk about the spirituality of these blessings. Paul tells us that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. These are spiritual blessings, not material ones. Now we're living in a day where preachers on TV want to talk about prosperity. They want to talk about wealth. They want to talk about big bank accounts. Nice cars and nice homes. But Paul says we've been blessed with spiritual blessings. Now hear me. God can make a person wealthy. God can make a person rich if He wants to. But here's the thing. God will never give you anything that will take you away from Him. Let me say that again. God will never give you anything that will take you away from Him. And if you can't be faithful with what you already have, God will not give you more. Amen? But here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you're wealthy spiritually. You've been blessed spiritually. The word spiritual here, translated in the New Testament, it's a word that's always referred to the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying that God has given us everything that the Spirit of God can deliver to us. In other words, everything we need for our spiritual life has already been provided for us. Everything that we could possibly need or want has been dispensed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, we're rich in spiritual blessings, but many times we don't realize it. You see, sadly, we don't always appropriate what we have in Jesus. In fact, we spend a lot of times asking for things that God's already given us. Here's the thing. We don't need to ask for blessings that God's already given us. We need to simply accept them and apply them to our lives. Let me kind of illustrate it. You see, we often pray for love, but God tells us in His words in Romans 5.5 that the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That makes sense. We pray for peace, but Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You don't got to pray for peace. He said, I give you peace. We pray for joy, but the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 8 that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You've got Jesus, you've got joy. Ain't no need to pray for joy. In fact, one of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. You don't got to pray for joy. You should already have it. You see, when God is in us and when the Holy Ghost is in us, He'll produce these things in our lives as we abide in Him. But guess what? That's not all. You see, we often pray for strength to do the things that God's called us to do, but He's already told us in His Word, according to Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We often talk about, I'm going to seek the presence of God, but He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Why do you got to seek Him if He's already with you? Did He move out? Let me say it again, because some of you are looking at me confused. I'm going to seek God today. Did He leave? He's there. 
Never will. He, he didn't say, I'll never abandon you. I'll never walk away from you. But I'm, I'm going to seek God today. Listen, he's there. What we're doing, we're trying to chase a feeling. We're trying to chase some goosebumps. I, I, I want some chills up my spine today. Everywhere you go, if you're saved, you're walking with Him. He's walking with you. Amen? And if you've understood that, it changed your entire life. In fact, it changed our entire church services. We wouldn't have to pump and prime and cheerlead and try to motivate people to worship if you understood God was with you and you walked in this place. Now, let me just say this. We don't come to church to meet God. We bring Him with us. Amen? That means you can have revival when you go to food line because you take God with you. Guess what? You can lead somebody to Jesus because you take God with you. You ain't got to have a preacher show up. You got just as much of Him in you, Sister Mary, as I do. Brother Tommy, you got just as much of Him as I do. We talk about, I, I need His presence. He doesn't take sabbaticals. He doesn't take vacations. He's there. In the midnight hour when you don't know what to do, he, He's Jesus. He's there. When you go to the doctor and you get that report, we don't know what we're going to do. Jesus. He's there. Got to do. And we don't understand that. Second Peter one three says, according as His divine power has given us to us, unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Listen to this: God can't give us more than He has already given us in His Son. If you have Jesus, you have all that you need. And God can't give you any more. Think about that. In fact, here's the thing. We're, we're Pentecostal and we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost and things like that. But here's the thing. You got saved. You got all of God that you can get. Holy Spirit came in to live inside of you. You got all that you could get. Now, yes, I believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's, that's about Him getting more of us. About Him getting more of us. That's about us trying to die to the flesh. You can't get any more saved than what you got. You got God inside of you. And He gives you everything that you need. We're blessed. We have great riches. And listen, there's nothing more to receive. We have an unfailing supply of all that we need. But here's the thing. 
We, we just don't appropriate the promises of God. You have to know what God has blessed you with and what the promises of God are so that you can simply take God at His Word and lay hold of what God has given you. Number five, let's move on. Let's talk about the storehouse of these blessings. Paul says that our blessings are located in heavenly places. Some people think this means that what we have is in heaven. That means we've got to die, we've got to go to heaven before we can ever tap into this stuff. But that's not what it means. This means that our, our blessings are in the supernatural realm. Our, our blessings are spiritual blessings. They're supernatural in nature. They're, they're eternal, not temporal. So think of it this way. When we get saved, we become citizens of heaven according to Philippians 3.20. We have a dual citizenship. We're citizens of this world, but we're also citizens of heaven. We live here, but we also live there. We're passing through this world, but we don't belong here anymore. Our hearts are no longer here. Our desires are no longer here. Our actions are no longer actions of this world. We're literally people who live in two worlds at the same time. Blows your mind, doesn't it? I'm a citizen of another world even though I've never been there yet. We live on earth, but we commune with God in the supernatural realm. So we live in this world, but Sister Mary, we long for that world. Right? We're like Abraham looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so the key to living as a heavenly city while living in an unheavenly situation is to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 5.16. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, if we're walking the power of the Holy Spirit, He'll produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And so if we're going to receive these spiritual blessings, if we're going to receive these heavenly blessings, that means you've got to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you're going to tap into what God has for you and what's available to you, you've got to be led by the Spirit and walk in step with the Spirit. In other words, you can't live a fleshly life and experience spiritual blessings. You've got to yield to the Holy Ghost. That's how you lay hold of what you have available. Let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life. That's how you experience these blessings. That's how you appropriate the promises of God and tap into the heavenly blessings. And so number six, final point, let's talk about the condition of these blessings. In other words, why has God given us such great, wonderful blessings to people like you and me? He does it only because we are in That's it. The secret to having all of these riches is whether or not you are in Christ. And today, everybody here, you're either in Christ or you're in Adam. You know the reality is there's only two men that's ever been on this world. Adam and Jesus. And you're in one or the other. You're in Adam or you're in Christ. You're in Adam, you're spiritually dead. And you'll spend eternity separated from God. But if you're in Christ, you're rich spiritually. And you can experience these blessings. That phrase, in Christ, it's a small phrase. But it's used almost 150 times in the Bible. In fact, in verses 3-14 through alone, Paul uses that phrase or its equivalent 12 times. 
And it reminds us that everything we have is because of our union with Christ. I want you to hear me very well what I'm about to say. Everything that you experience, every blessing that you've experienced because of your relationship with Christ, it's exactly that, because of your relationship with Jesus. It has absolutely nothing to do with how good you are. When we met Jesus, we became one with Him. And as a result, everything that belongs to Him now belongs to us. Think about that. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. And where He is, we are. Listen to Ephesians 2.6. It says, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, I've never been to heaven. I hope to go. I, I, I'm going. I, I hope to go. I'm going one day. Let me change that. But it says I've already been made to sit in heavenly places. Isn't that what it says? I've already been seated in heavenly places. It's as though I'm already there. If it's, if it's as though I'm already there and already is done, how's that going to change? Because in God's mind, it's done. Amen? So here's the thing. In Christ, where He is, I am. Though I'm already there. I'm walking it out. But I'm already there. But here's the thing. In Christ, what He does, we do. What He possesses, we possess. His privileges are our privileges. You know He has access to the Father? Guess what? We have access to the Father. His resources are our resources. His power is our power. His righteousness is our righteousness. His position is our position. It's all because we're in Christ. You see, we are those things and have those things and do those things by the grace of God. Everything that we have and everything that we enjoy as believers is not because we deserve it or earned it, but we have been given these things because of His work in our hearts and lives. Everything we have is given to us as a free gift of His grace. We are blessed because of God's grace and goodness and not our own. And I can't stress that enough. And as we dig deeper into the book of Ephesians, that's what we're going to talk about more and more, the gift of God's grace. That it's all because of Him and not us. In fact, one thing that the book of Ephesians exalts over and over and over again is that salvation is of God. It's not of man. It's all about Him. And so today, as I close, giving you a lot of information, but it reminds us how blessed we are in Jesus. And if you're in Christ today, you possess all spiritual blessings in Him. And if that's your condition today, you, you should thank God for what He's given you in Jesus. If you understand how rich you are in Christ, you ought to bless Him. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. You might not better see it on these screens. But it says, our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed infinitely more than to be 
than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. But then this is what He said next. If you think little of what God has done for you, you will do very little for Him. But if you have a great notion of His great mercy to you, you will be greatly grateful, your gracious God. So I'm asking, when's the last time you expressed your gratitude for what God's done for you? When's the last time you told God thank you? There's blessings in your life. But let me say to those here today who might not know Jesus, these blessings don't belong to you. They're not in Christ. But I can tell you this, that if today He's calling out to you and tugging at your heart and you say yes to Him, can't promise you your problems will go away. Can't promise you that life's going to get better, but I can promise you that spiritually you'll be the richest you've ever been before. I can promise you an eternity in heaven. You say yes to Jesus. He'll change your life. And you'll be a wealthy man, a wealthy woman in Christ. Amen. You ask somebody who's ever met Jesus if they've ever regretted it, and I promise you, they'll tell you they've ever regretted it. Here's what I say to you, just give me Jesus. I may not have everything the world has to offer, but I know what awaits me. Amen. Because we live in a world that wants to store up gold, but I'm going to a place by the time where He paves the street with it. I mean, ladies value that stuff. I want to wear it around the necks and on the wrist, but God paves the streets of heaven to gold. Considers it, considers it asphalt. That's what God thinks of it. People value diamonds and rubies and all that stuff. But there's 12 gates into that city. And each gate's one huge night pole. Heaven's going to be a beautiful place. And if you don't know Him today, I pray that you will respond and know Him before it's too late so that you can go to that place. Would you stand with me?